This message was recorded at Fillmore Baptist Church in Princeton, Louisiana. Our goal is to faithfully preach the Word of God for the salvation of sinners, the strengthening of believers, and the glory of God. Please visit our website at www.fillmorebaptist.org and listen for more information at the conclusion of this message. Let's pray, and then we're going to read from uh, Matthew chapter 7. Lord, we do thank you for your grace. And Lord, um, again now, we look to you asking, Lord, for your empowerment. I ask that you enable me to speak and deliver uh, the word that you want delivered here. And I pray uh, for all of us, Lord, that you enable us to hear your truth. It's your truth that sanctifies us, your word. Lord, open our hearts to it. Um, Make it penetrate. Make it have effect, good effect, so that our lives produce fruit for your glory. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Matthew chapter 7, verse 13. Matthew 7.13. I'm just going to read a couple of verses here and then uh, Lord willing um, deal probably deal with the rest of chapter 7 tonight, which is actually the end of uh, Jesus' Sermon on the Mount that we've been going through. So, Matthew 7.13. Enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there are many who go in by it. Because narrow is the gate, and difficult is the way which leads to life. And there are few who find it. Amen. Do you find it easy to be poor in spirit? Do you find it easy to mourn over your own sinfulness? And um, think about that before you answer too quickly, because what that requires is a, a realization of the seriousness of sin, which uh, we have a tendency, of course, to justify and to make light of. Do you find it easy in your, in your daily walk and in dealing with other people to be meek? To be a peacemaker? To be merciful? Do you find that you hunger and thirst for righteousness? Not not just give it some kind of mental assent, you know, yeah, that's a good thing, it would be good for me, but I, I mean a, a true hunger and thirst for it, a passion to be holy. Would you describe yourself if you if you look deep within self 
as honestly as you can and the best that you can, would you describe yourself as pure in heart? Have you ever been persecuted? Really persecuted? Now, that, as an American, that might be a good enough question right there, because <laughs> a lot of us have not. But to keep in um, line with Jesus' sermon here, have you ever been persecuted and rejoiced as the result of it? Because you esteemed heavenly award greater than anything this world has to offer, the praise of men or position or power or prestige? Are you so fixed on the reward of your heavenly Father? And are you so passionate about the glory of Christ and doing all things for God's glory that even in the midst of persecution, you can say, thank you, Lord, that I was counted worthy to suffer for your glory. Would you describe your life and your conduct, your speech, as salt and light? Does it, does it have that kind of, of spice and preservative power? Let's say when you're gathered around the water cooler, the proverbial water cooler at work or sitting around the table for lunch or dinner, or doing your normal thing at home? Are you salt and light? Are you, uh, in that sense, letting your light shine? Would you say as a Christian, with, with your knowledge of the Word of God, would your not, with your knowledge of the requirements of God, with, with your knowledge of the character of God Himself, and, and that being reflected in His law, would you say that you find it easy to keep the law of God? That there's no, no problem with keeping His commandments? For example, would you say that you have no ill feelings whatsoever towards a fellow human being. You find it easy to um, not dislike or hate someone with or without a cause. Would you men say that you find it easy to uh, not look wrongfully at a woman, and of course, when I say you, I'm including myself as well. Would you say that you find it easy to have integrity in all that you say, so that you're, so that you don't have to convince people by swearing oaths, so that you can just say yes for yes and no for no, and your word is, as we say, taken to the bank. Do you find it easy to have that kind of integrity? Do you find it easy, just natural, 
to love your neighbor as yourself. When you when you give, when you give offerings, when you give to the poor, is is there anything within you that looks for the applause of man? If, if even at the hint of someone else noticing, um, is that repulsive to you or do you take some kind of satisfaction in that? When you pray, is it to be seen or heard before men or, or, or do you, as Jesus said, go to your closet, pray in secret so that only God sees and knows? When you fast, again, are you doing it in secret? Seeking in all of these things, in all of your uh, acts of righteousness, as Jesus calls them here, or practicing righteousness, in all of these things, are you seeking not the esteem and praise and applause of man, but the reward of God? Do you live and do those things with an awareness of, of God's eye upon you. And that ultimately, He's the judge that we'll all stand before. Do you forgive other men, other, again, fellow um, human beings? Do you forgive them as you desire to be forgiven? As Christ has forgiven us? Do you lay up treasures on this earth at all? Do you, do you, to any degree, have love for this world and the things of this world? Do you desire to accumulate things, stuff? Or, or does your, your, your passion for the kingdom of God and your desire to, to get to eternity and, and be with Him face to face, does that so consume you that the things of this world are just not a concern? Do, do you live in such a way that bears that out, that you have no affection ultimately for the things of this world and that you do love others more than self, and therefore you take what God has blessed you with and use it, again, not, not to hoard up, but use it for the furtherance of the kingdom, for the good of others and for the glory of God. Do you do that? And do you find it easy? Do you worry? At all. Do, do, you, do you concern yourself, again, with the, with the things of this world? Where, what will I eat? What will I put on? Do you worry about tomorrow? Or do you fully trust God to provide not necessarily everything that you want, but everything that you need? And that would be another question as well. Do you want, do you desire 
Only what God wants for you. Do you desire His will above all else? And back to relationships. Are you judgmental at all in your dealings with other people? Or do you exercise judgment the way that you want to be judged? Do you take pains because of, because of a hunger and thirst for righteousness and a passion for holiness? Do you take pains to, to remove the beam from your own eye before you are critical of others and before you attempt to remove the speck from their eye? Now, is, is that a natural tendency? Do you, do you find it easier to analyze and criticize self, or do you find it easier to identify wrong in others? Do you find it easy to be persistent in prayer, seeking God, is that is that not a problem? Have you have you reached the the point, the stage, the level to where that's not an issue, that's not a problem anymore? There's no hindrance in passionately seeking God persistently day after day, day in and day out, minute by minute pursuing Christ and desiring his will above all else. Do you find that it's no problem? No problem whatsoever to keep the golden rule. To do to others what you would have done to you. Now remember, like we talked about last week, we're not just talking about not doing to others what you don't want done to you. But are you, are you actually motivated to do to them what you would have done to you? You say, boy, I would sure like this. So you know what? I'll just bless somebody else with that. I'll just go out and, and do that. I'll do to others. Not a one-time thing. Not during a, a specific season or on a specific day. But this is characteristic of my life that I'm just, I'm just going to do to others what I would like to have done to me. I'm going to bless, be a conduit for God's blessing, for His grace. Because He's blessed me. Because He's shown grace to me. Now, in all of these things... Do you find any difficulty at all? Or do they just come easy? We could sum it up like this. We have already several times. I read this is Jesus' summation, not mine. In chapter 5, verse 20. For I say unto you that unless your righteousness exceeds 
the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, and they were hypocrites. Unless your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. Verse 48, chapter 5, verse 48, Therefore, you shall be perfect, just as your Father in heaven is perfect. Does that present a difficulty? That standard, does that present a difficulty for you? Or can you say, done? No problem. Well, the perfection and the righteousness that exceeds that of the scribes and the Pharisees is found in all of those things that I just mentioned. That's the righteousness that Jesus says is a necessity if we're to enter the kingdom of heaven. That is the perfection that he's talking about in chapter 5, verse 48. That is chapter 7, verse 12. Whatever you want men to do to you, do also to them. Be meek, be merciful, be a peacemaker. Don't return evil for evil but rejoice in persecution. And then a faith and a trust in God that, and a desire to be like God that would drive you to passionately pursue holiness. You shall be perfect just as your Father in heaven is perfect. A trust in Him that would cause you to trust Him in every detail. A perfect faith so that you don't worry what you're going to wear, what you're going to uh, eat, what tomorrow holds. You just trust God. That's the righteousness Jesus is talking about. That's the perfection that Jesus is talking about, that is necessary for interest in the kingdom of God. In other words, he's describing, as we've mentioned so many times, what is characteristic of the children of the kingdom. Now, he, in the text that we are dealing with today, verses 13 and 14, he, he has... And all of those things we just mentioned in the previous chapters and verses, he has laid out those principles. Here's what characterizes the godly. Here's how the law is kept and fulfilled. Not just the letter of the law, but the spirit of the law. Here's how you pray and give and fast without hypocrisy. Here's how you love. Here's how you trust. Love one another and trust the Father. And now Jesus winds up His sermon 
with application of these things, with a, with a call to do, you might say. And he does this um, by, by contrasting different options, which he illustrates with four sets of pairs here. I'm meaning through the rest of the chapter. We're only going to deal with one this morning. But through the rest of the chapter, of chapter 7 here, he, he gives us two roads. what we'll talk about this morning in the few minutes we have remaining. Two roads, two trees, two claims, and two houses. And this is how he brings his sermon home and applies it and... Sets the stage for decision. And he starts with the two roads. Enter the narrow gate. Now see, he's saying here's giving you all this, all this truth, all these principles concerning the kingdom and kingdom living. Now it's time to do. Enter. Enter by the narrow gate. Now notice, he's specific. He's not saying that there is an option to do nothing. He's contrasting two options and only two. And and nothing is not one of them. (laughs) He says there are two roads. There are two gates. A wide gate, a narrow gate. A broad gate path, a narrow or confining path. So, he's, he's commanding for His followers specifically, you enter the narrow gate or the straight gate. He's saying to us, telling us which one of the two to choose. Again, the implication here is that there are only two choices. There's not a third option. There's not a, there's not a neutral zone where I can stand back and say, you know what? I don't want that path. That path goes to destruction, according to Jesus. Now, I don't want that path over here because that's, that's everything we just talked about. It's too confining. That is too straight, too narrow. I'm not going through there without damage. And I don't want that. I, I wanna, I wanna preserve self. And I can't do that going through that little narrow gate. So I'll, I'll, I will stand here and make no decision. Friends, that's the broad path. Indecision is nothing more than a decision for the broad road and the wide gate. There are two options. Narrow gate, wide gate. Confining path, narrow path, broad path. And Jesus says clearly, here's the path of the kingdom. It's the narrow gate. Enter in it, for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction. Now, let's, let's just take that one for a moment. We'll just kind of... He mentions the uh, 
narrate first, but we'll just kind of take them in reverse order here. Broad is the path that leads to destruction. Now, this is the way of the world. This, this is the most traveled path. And it seems so right. <laughs> because it's, hey, it's comfortable. There's, it's broad. There's plenty of room. There's no problem getting through the gate. Like I said a moment ago, one thing you can do to get through it is do nothing. That's pretty easy, isn't it? You just, in other words, you just don't decide to follow Christ and then you just automatically go through the broad gate, the wide gate, onto the broad path. It, it seems right because it's so easy and it's so self-gratifying. My dad taught me a long time ago, and this and this and I would I would recommend this uh, this rule uh, in in a lot of ways, but not not in this case, but but in a lot of times he, he used to tell me a lot of times we'd be working out in the yard, you know, a lot of times moving these uh, tons of stuff. We we either moving some kind of old you know forty model car around, or uh, or we were moving a big shed or something somewhere, and my dad had a wrecker, and. Uh, so we had all kinds of neat ways of doing that, you know. We chained chain the wrecker up to it, and we'd take telephone poles and lay, lay them down in front of these sheds and pull them with that winch, and I'm telling you, there's nothing to it. Take them wherever you wanted to go. My dad would tell me, uh, the easiest way is the best way. <laughs> and I commend that to you if you're moving sheds or, you know, any kind of labor. Uh, if, you, if you can find an easy way to do it, it's probably the best way. But the danger here is, is that the road that leads to destruction is the easiest way. And that's why it's so enticing, so pleasant. There is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of destruction or death. Proverbs 14.12 And again, in Proverbs 16.25, There is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. That's the broad way. That's the wide gate. Getting into it is no problem. Living it is no problem. And there are all kinds of ways, again, because it's broad. It's not confining at all. So there are all kinds of ways it can be done. I mean, you can just be totally pagan, atheist. Give give no lip service to God at all. Blatantly fight him and refuse him and refuse to acknowledge him. And there's a place for you on the broad road. And you'll have no trouble going through the wide gate. You can be extremely religious and moral. In fact, this is one of the things that make it so deceptive this way. This is the very kind of person primarily that Jesus is talking about here. The hypocrites, they were very moral people and highly, highly religious. One thing they have in common with the uh, pagan atheist and everybody else apart from Christ is self 
self-centeredness. In other words, it's all about me. That's the main characteristic of the wide gate and the broad path. And you can be blatant with that or you can conceal it in a moralistic religiosity that looks like it's doing service to God. And there's room for you through the wide gate and the broad path. You can keep self intact. As a matter of fact, uh, you, you may do a better job of promoting self if you take on uh, uh, some degree of moralism and religion than if you were a blatant atheist. That gate's easy to go through. That path is easy to travel. And sadly, it's the most traveled road. But again, Jesus' command for us is to take the straight gate, the narrow gate, and the difficult path. Again, verse 13, Enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leads to destruction. Now, just something interesting. I mean, you can, you, I just find this interesting, but you can uh, disregard this. We can scratch it from the tape or whatever. If you, um, when you think about like worldly things, now don't take this as overly critical. Like I say, it's just an observation. Think about New York City and kind of the center of attraction there. What, what is it? At least one of the primary ones, Broadway. <laughs> right? Broadway. And everybody wants to go to Broadway. I used to be a huge country music fan, and I mean, I mean to the extent of idolizing, you know, uh, musicians and singers and so forth, country and rock. But what's, what's, the, what's the heart of country music? Geographically, what is it? Hmm? Nashville, you know what the name of the street is where most of the action was happening? Broadway. I've been down Broadway. I've walked down it and, and uh, you know, looking at the sites and all. Broadway, it's interesting, isn't it? And that doesn't mean anything spiritually. Don't, don't think that I'm saying, you know, they're all a bunch of heathens or whatever. It doesn't mean anything spiritually. I just find it interesting. <laughs> it's an, an analogy, okay, an illustration, but interesting nonetheless. But the way to righteousness, the way to life is narrow. And it's confining. That's why I was asking. When going through all of those things, as I was mentioning those things, poverty of soul, meekness, being a peacemaker, being a lover, lover of, of your fellow man, hungering and thirsting for righteousness. Do you find any of those things difficult? Do you find praying hard? Do you find fasting hard, or is that just something you just desire to do and have any, no problem with? Do you find giving, especially when it hurts? I mean, sometimes we, we, we set a certain amount in our head, and as long as we kind of think, I can live with this, and if I stay within that, you know, those confines, I have no problem giving. But then the Lord says, you know, you know I want you to give uh, more than that. You, you can do without, you know, the extras this month or whatever. 
Do you find that difficult? It's, it's okay to be honest and say, yes. It's difficult. Yes, it's difficult. Of course it's difficult. Jesus says it's difficult. I, I, that, is, that is so comforting and refreshing to me. He makes no bones about it. This is the difficult way. He doesn't paint a rosy picture. I know, I know, we, we sing songs every day with Jesus, sweeter than the day before. Friends, that ain't reality. I don't think. Sure, yeah, it's sweet to know Jesus. Absolutely. But every day with Him in this world, sweeter in the sense that, boy, I mean, it's just... You know, everything just takes on rosiness and we're just in a, you know, we're just in a garden of delight here. No, Jesus didn't say that. You'll suffer persecution in this world. You'll be mistreated. And your own flesh is going to rise up against you and hinder you in everything that you do. Oh, yes. The promise, and again, that's what he's pointing out all the way through here. Yes, the promise of reward from the Father, that's sweet. And fellowship now with the Father is sweet. Knowledge of forgiveness of sins and life everlasting, that's sweet. But that doesn't do away with the struggles that we go through in this world. In fact, if you look at Luke 13, Jesus uh, is kind of a parallel here. Jesus says virtually the same thing. And He uses the word agonize. Agonize to enter the straight gate. He's describing a struggle. The Christian life is a struggle. A struggle against sin. It's a constant putting to death of the flesh. The old King James uses the word mortify. That's that's what it means. Put it to death. Mortify the deeds of the flesh. That's a fight. That doesn't come easy. Forgiveness doesn't come easy. Not if you're in the flesh. Praying doesn't come easy. And I I just mean, when I say in the flesh, I don't mean in the sense of Romans 8 being all out, given over to the flesh. I just mean as long as you're living here in this body, in this world, in the flesh, in that sense, there's going to be a struggle. And Jesus is very honest about it. And He says, this is the life you're called to. Enter the narrow gate, the one that's hard to get through, the one that you've got to agonize to get through. And you're not going to get through it untouched. The flesh is going to be affected. You're going to have to kill it. Self has got to die. That's what He's saying. What he's saying. If, if your heart is set on preservation of self, then you're only going to fit through the wide gate and the broad road. The narrow gate and the narrow path are confining. <laughs> and it's going to be deadly for self. 
and confining, confining. That's such a bad word, isn't it? I mean, we don't like that. That's the very thing he says here. The narrow, narrow is the gate and difficult, or that can be translated confining. Confining is the way which leads to life. It's hard, it's difficult. And the rewards are great. Now listen, let me say this before I close. Because again, as I said, to the world and even to us, you know, our, see, the very thing I'm talking about. When you use words like difficult, confining, the flesh rises up and says, I don't like that. But it's what we need. I don't like to be confined. You know, they, I had an MRI one time. Miss Scott, they, were, they did one on my head and they didn't find anything. <laughs> I wouldn't. I I didn't know whether to be thankful or not, but I no no I was. But I didn't like that. I liked it, and it, and it was one. It wasn't even real confining. One, but it was just right in my face. You know, like something getting getting in your face. You know. Don't like to be confined, but you know what? If if I'm on a if I'm on a high bridge with drop offs on both sides. And they have guardrails confining me to the road. I'm happy to be confined. It, it may call for a little more attention and, you know, a little more struggle staying between the guardrails, but I'm happy to be confined because it's for my good. Enter the narrow gate. Narrow is the gate. And difficult is the way which leads to life. I was talking to somebody just yesterday and he was describing all the difficulties living the Christian life to the point that this individual was about to, at least uh, vocalizing that they were about to give up. And myself and a couple others were there were just telling them, look, if you're finding it difficult, uh, that's the way it is. We, we find it difficult too. And yet, I don't know, it's a paradox, but yet it's, it's a joy. <laughs> it's a joy. It's like being a slave, right? Nobody wants to be a slave, but if Christ is your master... It's a joy. It's a joy. So Jesus says, you've got two roads before you. You've got to make a decision. Now, I just said a moment ago, nobody likes this idea of being confined. But let me, let me, let me share something with you here in all sincerity. Um... There, there is no escape from this decision. There really is. It sounds like a... a there really is not, rather. It sounds like a, a silly thing to say, you know, a, a goes-without-saying type thing. Francis Schaeffer, I, I probably won't get the quote exactly right, but Francis Schaeffer one time, Christian author Francis Schaeffer said, um, you cannot escape what is. And all, all he's saying simply is this, 
and, and he, in his writing, he's basically dealing with uh, atheists and so forth. But all he's saying is this. The truth. This is reality. It's God's world. God made all things. He made things the way they are. He's sovereign. He's in control. So, like it or not, accept it or not, deny it or not, you are confined. I mean, you go ahead. You go try to make your own world and live there. It ain't going to happen. You're confined to this one. God's world. And you're confined in this sense. This decision is inescapable. There are two roads before you. The one most traveled, it's easy. It's easy to get in. It's easy to go down. The problem is, you die at the end. You perish. Perdition, destruction, damnation is the destination. And the other road is difficult. Narrow gate, confining path, and the end, life everlasting. Jesus is the narrow gate. Life with Him and in Him is the narrow path. Yes, it's difficult. He said, in the world you have tribulation. In this sermon, he said, implied we'll be persecuted. And, but, you know, he, he says, keep an eye to the reward. Rejoice in persecution because great is your reward in heaven. The end of this road is life. And so you, you've got to make a decision. And remember, indecision is a decision for destruction. Will you follow Christ? Will you take up your cross, which, which symbolizes death, death of self? Will you die to self and live chapter 5, 6, and 7? In other words, Christ living in and through you. Will you treasure Christ above all things rather than treasuring the things of this world? Will you pursue Him passionately? And, and let's make this easy. Because we, we could get all, all confused and, and consumed with trying to keep every detail of this. Okay, I'm going to... I've got to try to be meek. I've got to try to be meek. I've got to try to be a peacemaker. I've got, got to try to love. I've got to try to pray right. I've got to try to give right. No, let's make this easy. I mean, we, we, do, we do have to do those things, but pursue Christ. Set your sights on Him. Go after Him. Let, let Him be the focus of your vision. And if, if we can do that, by God's grace, then those other things will fall into place. That's, that's the confinement. That's the, the guardrails. Christ. Just focus on Him. Two roads. 
one to destruction, one to life. Jesus is saying, choose life. Die to self, follow me, live forever. Let's pray. Lord, I pray that um, for all of us here that you just bring these things home to our heart. It's possible possible today that there's someone in this room who doesn't know you in truth. I certainly don't know uh, the hearts of men and women here. You do. So if, if there is, if, if that scenario is real, if someone, someone here does not know you, Lord, we ask today, um, bring the truth of the gospel home to their hearts. May, may they uh, just submit and surrender to you. And Lord, those of us who do know you, we still struggle with these temptations, with sins. We tend to worry. We tend to value things that we ought not. We tend not to love as we should. We find ourselves in a daily struggle with the things of this world and with the old nature within us. So, we too look to You. And thank You for the promise of Your sanctifying work, the promise of completion of it. Enable us to live for Your honor and glory. Now may the Lord bless you, keep you. May the Lord make His face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up His countenance upon you and give you peace. In Jesus' name, amen. This sermon is made available through the ministry of Fillmore Baptist Church in Princeton, Louisiana. Our desire is to faithfully proclaim the message of salvation which God has provided in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ our Lord. For more resources and information, please visit our website at www.fillmorebaptist.org. You may use the links there to contact us or write us at Fillmore Baptist Church, 6304 Highway 80, Princeton, Louisiana, 71067.